Today on the Hey Kings podcast, I'm joined by Jacob Cummins and Jacob Kaiser. We're going to call the second Jacob Kaiser for simplicity's sake. And we're going to talk a little bit about building an empire and family and transition. Maybe some mistakes we've made along the way and some lessons learned and a little bit of good advice. Welcome to the podcast, guys. I'm going to read something for you and I want you to respond to it. Okay, here we go. If the idea of leaving the farm makes you ill... It's kind of like my identity at this point. I gave up a lot of opportunities in life to farm. You know, I worked for, I was a mechanic for John Deere for a number of years. I went to college to be a diesel mechanic. Um, previous to that, I had a lineup. I could have worked at a Yamaha dealer in Montana, which would have been, at that point, was my dream job. But throughout life, I've decided to stick with the farm. And it's, we're finally getting to the point where it's working. You know, we went from, in essence, a hobby farm after the dairy burned down to this is what I do for my job. I support my family off of this now, you know, and I'm shooting to support Kaiser and his family, and I'm trying to get my dad back home and just walking away from it now it just seemed like I wasted half my life. <laughs> a little different take on that. Why do you farm? I farm for my kids. It's the same reason my dad farmed. I want to I want to give them something. I don't want to give them money, you know. Everybody you know, money is cool. Yeah, I'd go out and buy a 2017 turbo Yamaha snowmobile and it'd be fantastic. But money is a material item. It doesn't have anything. There's no legacy there. And this might sound a little corny, but I've always told my wife and my kids and Kaiser even knows this, I want to build an empire. And that's what I'm trying to do with the farm. Cuz we used to be you know, back in the 80s, in the heyday of our farm, you'd walk around and somebody would ask who you are, and you'd tell them you were Cummins, and they'd know exactly who you are. They knew exactly where you farmed. They knew that you were a dairy. And, you know, people knew us. And we were an important part of the community, and that's what I'm trying to get back to. And I want my kids to be able to walk into this thing and have it work properly so they can, they can raise their kids on the farm and not have a bunch of degenerate little children running around. <laughs> All right. The next thing I want you to respond to. If you owe someone money. <laughs> no, you about <laughs> that. <laughs> you and I have a great arrangement. I break your stuff. You don't pay me. It's it it, it works great. <laughs> yeah, it works out awesome. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> so farming takes money. How do you manage those stresses? Uh probably not the best tactic but i work more <laughs> i keep my mind busy so i can't think about it but at the same time it's still there because if i if i'm just sitting around not doing anything i'll go crazy that the stress eats at me really bad so i intentionally find something to do i keep working my wife gets mad at me because i'll work 18 hours a day but that's how i manage stress it's probably not the best way to manage it but if I, I can't slow down. If I slow down, the stress will leave me alive. So I force myself to keep going. Because I, I see myself running the farm with Kaiser someday. It, it's get that communication out now. We need to communicate. We need to know what we have now, what we need to look for in the future. Um, it's Like I said, it's just communication. You know, I'm, I'm never going to manage the money on the farm. 
but I know what's going to be there. So if he does go out and he's like, hey, we need to go buy this and be like, wait a minute. And then we just talked about these finances the other week and this is what we have. Pump the yeah. brakes. This yeah. is what we need. Yeah. yeah, it'd be cool to go out and buy this new tractor, you know, or something bigger or whatnot. But, you know, it's just it's just good. You know, if it's just like if we had multiple employees, no, they don't need to know. Yeah. But if it's, you know, me, him and his dad then we know we can brainstorm together. Yep. You know, I'll give more of the reins to them that is their farm, but... Yeah, Kaiser... I throw a little bit of logic in there. Next thing, if you're transitioning to the next generation oh, and you boy. don't know what to do next, you have a couple of layers of transition going on. My dad has been... He doesn't necessarily fall into that grumpy old farmer type. Um my dad's always been very open with me about the finances, about where the money goes, about how much money we don't have. Um, and he's, he's talked to me about his will and he's, he's already talked to me about what's going to happen when he unfortunately does pass away. And cause I have two older brothers, you know, and they, they worked on the farm when they were younger and you know, they earned something, but so the, the transition things I've learned a lot in what's happened between my dad and I in the last, I'm going to say the last three years, I've learned a lot of what not to do when my kids come to the age of where it's time for them to take over. Um, my Any advice I have to anybody that's going through this, if, if it's between you and your dad, that's the only two people that need to know about it. Anybody else outside of that circle, if it doesn't involve them, they need to stay out of it. Because we had a lot of... A lot of <laughs> not necessarily fun times in the last two years. It sounds to me like going back to the point about communication, that sounds to me the secret to success there. Yeah. Be open about everything, you know, and don't, and dad was always good about that. You know, my dad wasn't the, the type of, you know, you screwed up. He wouldn't yell and cuss and scream at me. My dad was more of the, well, you screwed up. Got to go fix it. All right. So, uh, a little, a little twist on this. You're cool if your kids don't want to farm? <laughs> oh, actually, I was just talking to my wife about this the other day. Because I have a son and a daughter. My son's the oldest. He's four and a half. My daughter's a year and a half. So, you know, we still got a long ways to go. But my wife brought up the fact of, you know, what are you going to do if Dakota wants to farm and Jace doesn't? My daughter wants to farm. And I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> My biggest thing is it's the, the name and the legacy. Because if she wants to farm, that's fine. But she gets married, the neighbor takes over. It's not Cummins Farm anymore. Mm-hmm. And that happened to the neighbor. You know, my neighbor, it's Eagles. It wasn't originally Eagles. And I don't even know what it originally was. You know, and I know we know a dairy farmer. Same thing happened. You know, I, I think I remember what the name was before he took over but that's what i get a little worried about you know because it's it's been a in the cummins name for i mean since the 20s i mean it might sound stupid to some but my wife doesn't really get it (laughs) all right next thing if you're searching for direction where are you going with this you got 700 acres full line of hay equipment how do you expand that um so one of the things we've learned is you can't rely solely on the farm right so we do a lot of side jobs and i do side work with the skid steer kaiser and i do stuff out of the shop we work on snowmobiles we work on other people's farm equipment and that helps less the 
ease the burden from having to rely so much on the farm. Because, I mean, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you probably get that if you put up hay, you don't make money every month. Right. right? You don't have income coming in every single month. Annual cash flow cycle. Money every month. Right. Right. You don't have income coming in every single month. And so I'm, I'm trying to get to where I can support my family. I can support my dad, and I can support Kaiser and some may, maybe his future family. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where I see us getting. And I, by getting there, yes, we need to expand. You need to get more efficient with the farm, but you also got to do the side job thing. I just, I think that's how farming is nowadays, at least in our area. You Short know. season. We only have like a 100-day growing season, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and this whole feed and cows thing, um, that was a game changer for us because I get to bill a guy every month. So I get income every single month. I get to bill him for feeding his cows. And I'm already feeding some of my own, so it's not that much harder to feed a bunch more. Yeah, it's it's kind of like milking cows, right? It doesn't matter whether you have one or a hundred. Exactly. It's got to happen. Exactly. And so that was a huge game changer for us because that gave us income over the winter. I mean, it's not a lot. You're not making a lot of profit, but it keeps the cash flow going. And so that gives me the ability to... Like for Kaiser, for instance, I can I can now pay him twelve months out of the year, <laughs> you know, which before I could only pay him during during haying season when I had that cash flow. But now, it opens doors to have people like Kaiser here to help. What do you think about the guys in Australia and Pakistan and, and Sudan and all over the world? It, so, well, go ahead, Kaiser. Oh, I was just saying it's great seeing that. You never think of something like that. You might see something on TV every once in a while. But actually get to see how their operations work and, you know, some of the stuff they, like, we do, they do too. But then you see a bunch of other stuff that's just way different, how what they do in their environment and then their their customer base too. You know, it, it's crazy. It, it's just cool to see that. Yeah. I, you know, in the, in, especially in, like, the Middle East, that's the part that blows my mind. You know, I knew there's big farming in Australia that, you know, I'm doing air quotes right now, similar to what we do, mm-hmm. you know, and they have big tractors and fancy equipment and irrigation and all this other stuff. When I see those guys from the Middle East that are, you know, they have pivots and wheel lines and, and tractors and big balers and you would never, I don't know, my brain never made the connection that they have that stuff there as well. And that was crazy to see that. I remember I saw the first guy post on there from, I can't remember exactly where it was at. He posts on there quite a bit. And the guy from Pakistan that worked in Sudan. Yeah. Yeah. And I you're can. looking at a valley pivot yeah. in Sudan and you, you just gotta tip your head just a little bit and go, huh? In the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I never would have thought of that. What you know, is that in? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and they're putting two tie bales and box fans. You know, very similar. I mean, John and I had done that before. It's not fun. That's not fun. No, no. <laughs> you know, it's just you don't think they have that kind of stuff there, mm-hmm. and it's mind-boggling to know that they actually do. And another thing is, is just how much the whole other part of the world's export too. I always thought America was just. No, we were the only ones. Yeah, well, not the only ones, but the biggest ones. No, after you know, seeing all these other guys and how they export and pretty much almost the same similar stuff, and it's just it's crazy. It's cool to see that. Yeah, makes Um, you think a little bit different about the industry, right? Yeah, yeah, it's much more of a global thing Mm -hmm. than I ever would have thought. My favorite thing is the guys in Western Australia that you know it's ninety-two degrees. At 7 o'clock in the morning on the way to 140, mm, 170, nice. like, it's just freaking hot. I would die. <laughs> <laughs> and they got bale skis in these big balers, right, to keep the, because they're baling oat hay and it's a little yep. sticky. Yep. Uh, and it 
gums up on the corners, so they got these bale skis made here in Montana. Not only do they have a, a part for a baler made in Montana in Western Australia that's kind of like... I that's never a long ways away. Yeah, <laughs> I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Uh, but it's so hot, and the pressures that they're running are melting these bale skis out the back of the baler. That is crazy. It's, I just... It's a totally different world, totally different. Like, yeah. like I said, it's the pressures and yep. and the temperatures. And when something breaks in the middle of the day, they just walk away because everything's too hot to touch. <laughs> they come back when it's cooler. Like, yeah, we think it gets hot up here in the northwest. You know, yeah, we see hot, but then you see something like that, yeah. or you know, <laughs> like, down south, we like, hit three days of hundred degrees. And you're we're like, like oh, we're, we're cut off. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go outside. I'll, I'll come back at 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Flip the lights on and go. Yep. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in LED lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One part that and this might make some guys in the Midwest a little mad. For the love of Pete, why don't they run bail wagons? Oh, or I, hero beds. I call, I call oh, it a yeah. hero bed. Right. Uh, that's yeah. a West Coast thing is calling God, them stack this, wagons, this stack cruisers. Pop-ups. That, you know, we ran that stuff around here in the 70s. And it's like... Buy a Harrowbit. Yeah, you just see it pop up so into mad. a wagon, and then it's just like, that's not neatly stacked. Are you going to dump it out and leave it? What do you do? Uh, you got to handle it again. That's yeah. the one thing that, that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves I never realized I had <laughs> until <laughs> Hey Kings, is I didn't realize so many people didn't use, you know, mechanized muscle to move this stuff. Yeah. They're still doing it by hand. Or watching them, you know, drag a trailer, and it, it's got... What was that like conveyor system? And you got two guys on the trailer hand stacking it. Yeah. When and these, they take it back to the barn and then I have to unload it and hand it. Yeah. It's, and the crazy part is these guys are putting up a lot of hay. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. not like they're just doing a couple ton. T- tens yeah. of thousands of bales. Yeah. That they're yeah. doing by hand. It's just, it's mind boggling. Those, <laughs> those are some good farmers there. Those are, those guys are cool. Yeah. They keep doing that. So, you know, they just, this is what they like to do. So, yeah. Just, they have the muscle, use it. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing that always gets me. I I farm in the middle of nowhere. Like yeah, you the, farm more in the middle of nowhere than I do. I farm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> At least you got good scenery. It, oh, the scenery's great, but it's hard to get help that that's ever been around farming. Just I mean, there's there's three families up there that that farm. Yep. yep. And that's about it. Uh, and and when they're busy, I'm busy too. And like it's just yeah. all the people that know how to farm are out farming, and and helps hard to find. So that's the part that always amazes me about the guys running wagons behind the balers or kick wagons. Yeah, is uh, actually finding the manpower to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. just I guess the West is a little different. We don't have the population density, and yeah, it's true. It's it's just different. We got it's all the hippies over here. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle, Portland, yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, 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 yeah. we do. Yeah. But uh, no, finding helps always always a hard thing. Yeah. Especially in this era, too. You just don't find a lot of help like they used to. Right. So you don't find someone, some kid that just drive up, hey, you know, can I, you need my help for the day. You don't see that anymore. Yeah. No, no. definitely not. No. <laughs> I think I, I had one kid that asked to work for me this summer. Now, I say kid, but he was 18, didn't have a driver's license. What? Yeah. Yeah, just like... How are you okay. going to get to work? It, <laughs> if, if you're in the city, like, I, I get it. That that could make sense to me. I could see somebody that raised in Portland that has great public transit. and I, In the right circumstances, I love public transit. It don't work in the West. No. Uh, but to have somebody that was 18 years old that 
that uh, didn't have a driver's license, never run a stick shift. So to put him on a tractor. Yeah, that would well, not work. <laughs> not only did he not have a driver's license, he really never driven. Yeah. See, so, and, you know, my wife gets after me about this, too. She goes, why don't you hire some high school kids to help you during the summer? And my response is, their learning curve is too expensive. I can't afford it. Because, you know, I mean, we all know how it is. You break one thing, and it can cost you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because oh, yeah. you weren't paying attention for half a millisecond. And we right. were those high school kids who used to do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I worked for a farmer when I was yeah. in high school, and I used to break a lot of his stuff. Yeah, now when you get to the, you're doing your own, you hire one, you're like, oh, this is expensive. Sorry, Jim, you're not getting paid today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's cheaper to hire somebody that knows what they're doing than to fix the stuff, and the downtime is expensive. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you want to expand, you got to find some more ground too, right? You got to take a little bit of a leap to get to a scale that's sufficiently large to hire somebody. Yes. How, how are you going to do that? Well, see, this is the bad part right now. And this is part of the reason I farm too much ground. Where I'm at, and I think it's not so much up where you're at, because like you're saying, there's pretty much three farms up where you're at. And, and where I'm at, there's farm ground up for grabs everywhere. And I have people calling me left and right to come farm their places, and it's good ground. And I'm, I finally got enough good ground at close to the farm. I used to have to drive, you know, one of my fields is 20 miles away, which for, after looking on Hay Kings, you see some of these guys, it's not that far, but for us, it's a long ways. Right. Um, you know, so the land to farm is there. And how you get there is you get, I mean, you got to get more efficient. And, and we've come leaps and bounds. I used to use it around Baylor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you used it. Yeah. I came around Baylor. Round balers are great. Um, the only problem is you have to stop and they have to, they have to wrap and then you have to open the gate and you have to dump it out. Um, since going to a big baler, you never have to stop. Mm-hmm. You can just go. My ground speed isn't necessarily different. The big baler's not much faster than my old round baler was, but the fact that I don't have to stop every, you know, couple hundred feet or a couple, you know, however far it is, it's faster. It saves you a ton of time, you know, and same thing. We went from a 14 foot swather to a 16-foot swather, you know, and the 16-foot swather has the bigger conditioners in it, so it actually dries faster than the old 14-foot swather with the little tiny 4-foot conditioners in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of have to upgrade and get more efficient to be able to take that next step to do more ground. I always asked my dad when I was younger, how much, like, how do you know, how much is too much? And my dad's response was, well, you don't know until you get there. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> and well, you got there. Yeah. Yes, I got there. <laughs>